Hi, this is David Cade, starring in Into the Ashes, released on July 19th, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal! You're my boy, Blue! Yo, Adrian! I with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the man cave, your host, Elias. David, uh, welcome to the cave. Thank you for having me. What's going on, man? What's new with you? Uh, Oh, you know, man. I, it's busy. It's busy right now. A lot of good things. Um, doing the movie. Um, running around town trying to make new movies. You know, there's always hustling out here. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, you've been busy the last few years. You've done uh, numerous TV appearances, Scrubs, Pretty Little Liars. You four years, yes. on, four years on Big Time Rush, You're the Worst, Training Day, and now you got a movie coming out in a few weeks called Into the Ashes, and we'll talk about that. Uh, tell the listeners, where are you originally from? I'm born in Minnesota. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, but I lived all over. I lived in New Mexico. I lived in San Francisco. Um, I lived in Thailand oh, on and wow. off for a few years. Wow. Yeah. How did you, um, how did you, uh, get it, get, get like that, like the, all over the place? Um, well, my dad moved a okay. lot and I always say my dad moved and I followed. That's kind of how I talk about it. Um, my dad lived in Thailand, so that was that. He also lived in Florida. So I would go and stay with him on the boat in West Palm and, uh, and the keys and I was, you know, the Minnesota kid who would get to go spend summer with dad, um, in the islands. Right. So it was kind of a, it was pretty wild back then, you know, running around. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, I left home young. I went originally to New Mexico to study acting. And then, um, I went to San Francisco to continue study acting. And then I kind of traveled around the Southwest for a little bit, ended up in New Orleans where I have some family. And um, all of that roundabout brought me back to L.A. Wow. I was like 20 years old when I got to Los Angeles. Wow. How many years did you spend in Minnesota? Oh, man. I, well, 18, 17. Oh, okay. So I left when I was 17, right. 18. So I, gotta so know- I, I was there. Go ahead. I was always there as a home base. My mom's still there today. All right. Right. Uh, and then uh, bouncing back and forth to different places. So I got to know, Minnesota, did you uh, grow up like liking the hockey and stuff like that? <laughs> you know what? I'm a wrestler. Okay. okay. Funny story. I wanted to be a hockey guy. Um, my mom wouldn't buy me the pads. Right. Like she was like, that's too expensive. It's too violent. And then she bought me spandex and said, go have fun. <laughs> God bless. Right. That's great. That's uh, great. So yeah, I wrestled, I wrestled and played football my whole time in, in okay. Minnesota. Did you like, how did you get involved with like wrestling? How did that come up? So I, <laughs> You know, I was a rowdy kid. I was a rowdy kid. I got into a lot of trouble when I was young. And I was sort of, you know, I had all of this energy. Yeah, my dad was gone. I had a bunch of women in the house, my mom and sisters, right? So I was constantly um, just being physical, whether that was, you know, getting into fights or, um, you know, just attention deficit, like problems in school, like all of it. So. I had a friend who I did, I played football with and he was like, man, he's like, you really should wrestle. And I, I was like, there's no way that's just not going to happen. I've seen the outfit. Um, I have no interest in that, you know, but 
he convinced me to come down and it, I got to tell you, it's just what I was naturally inclined to do. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it took me my first year, I think I was like 60, 40 on my matches, something like that. But I was wrestling at 215. My second year, I went up to like 80, 20. And then after that, all the way through my senior year, I mean, I am the guy, this is <laughs> true story. I, I am the guy who is known for almost beating an undefeated three-time state champion in um, in Minnesota named Joe Slaughter. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, let me tell you something. That's a real name. That's an actual name. He's the nicest guy. And uh, and I didn't beat him, but that would have been my shot to go into state. Um, and, you know, I did enough in the four years that I wrestled that I had colleges knocking on my door to come and continue. So I really gravitated towards it. Um, I was a big 185. Um, I cut down to uh, 172, 74. I get confused between college and and high school now. But 70s and 80s is where I sat, and I I really loved it. It just, you know, for a kid who used to, I used to play a game called Whoever Lives Wins. Right? I don't know if this is a mad, this is madness. Today, this would never happen. But the neighborhood kids would come along, and we would all jump on trampolines or whatever and we would just beat the crap out of each other than whoever lived when and so that was <laughs> it was a rowdy i liked to fight and um and that continued after wrestling i when i went to thailand i started doing muay thai um and kickboxing and um a lot of my friends went into mma and i wanted i've trained quite a bit of mma i've never fought in mma i've done some other stuff but not that yeah and um but i i just have always been very gravitated towards those kinds of sports. Like, I don't know anything about basketball. Okay. Right. You can't, you can, I don't know. I know, I know ball. I know net. I know super athletic dudes. I like, I, I can, I understand the athleticism of it, but I don't understand anything about the game. Okay. Um, but I understand movement and fighting and I understand the psychology of fighters and all of that. So it's always held my, I'm very passionate about it. I mean, I, I just, I just, I just love it. Do you, you know, uh, still. Do, you, do you still train with martial arts? Yeah. Yeah, all the wow. time. How many, so how, how many years have you been doing that? Uh, I suppose depends on how you break that down. But, but I have been, you know, from the time I was a kid, you know, studying karate and then stopping that and then picking up wrestling. I've wrestled all the way to about 21 before I really gave it up for a few years in pursuit of my acting obviously. And then, um, I've been doing Muay Thai on and off and boxing, straight boxing. Cause they're very different, you know, in terms of application, yeah. uh, for probably for about seven years. Wow. Um, I do Muay Thai. I, I, what I do now is I alternate. And so I'll go through a cycle where I'll go like four days or five days a week of Muay Thai and boxing, which is almost too much. Like it's almost too much for my body to recover from. And then I'll back off for a couple months um, and I'll just like focus on rehab and strength training and whatever. And then, and then I'll, I'll go back into another cycle. Cause I find, you know, the reason that I got so good at wrestling and what frustrated me about it out here is when we wrestled, we did it twice a day, five days a week. Like every day I was wrestling three hours a day. And so the learning curve that you get and the experience that you rack up, is just so much, right? Um, and it was miserable. It was always miserable. And it just made you very mentally tough. And so one of the things I realized is when I wanted to keep training wrestling out here, you know, California is an MMA culture. 
So what they do is they have like two wrestling one hour sessions a week. And, um, and that's fine for me in terms of maintaining my wrestling now. Like I can wrestle a couple times a week for an hour and I'm, that's fine. But if you want to get better at something, you have to surround yourself in it. Um, and so that's why I really made a commitment. I was like, you know, I love to wrestle, but I want to be a great striker. Like I want to actually be really slick. And so that's when I started going four days a week for an hour and a half at a time. Wow. Just wow. putting myself in as many different um, situations as I possibly could, you know? So, so growing so, up, so growing up, like how did you decide you want to get into acting and filmmaking? So I tell a story. My, um, my mother remarried multiple times and my stepfather who raised me like his own son and is my father. I call him, you know, I call him dad. Um, you know, we did have a lot of money growing up and, uh, on the weekends, um, there was no childcare for me and my sister. And so he would go to work at the office on the weekend and they had a conference room and in that conference room was this TV. And so every, for two days out of, you know, each weekend that I was with him, Saturday and Sunday, there was a legitimate chance I was going to be stuck in a boardroom for like 10, 10, 11, 12 hours while my dad worked throughout the weekend. And so what he would do is he would go and pick up blockbuster rentals for me and my sister, like five at a time. And I would spend the whole day in front of the TV watching movies. And I was really lucky in that I didn't have parents restrict content, um, particularly, you know, fiercely. So, you know, here I am and I'm watching like uh, Braveheart, you know, Pulp Fiction, um, uh, Buffalo 66, like just the, just getting anything that I was interested in, in the blockbuster. And I went, dad, I got to watch this. He's like, well, what, well I'm not going to argue with you. You got to sit there for 11 hours while I'm working. So, yeah. you know, and, and that was really it. So that was that there was always movies, movies, movies. And then I have one particular moment where I was like, oh, that's it. Um, and that was when I was probably about 12 or 13 years old. And we went to a drive-in movie theater. My first experience at a drive-in movie theater. And we, you know, parked this car and there's a, the giant screen and pulling the speakers. And it was a back-to-back showing, two films. The first one was Gladiator. And the second one was immediately, it was immediately followed by American Beauty. Oh, wow. And talk about a one-two punch, like cinematic glory, right? And I was so, I've never forgotten that night. I was so invigorated by both those films for entirely different reasons. And, um, I pretty much knew at about 12 or 13 years old, that's what I was going to do with the rest of my life in some way, shape or form. Um, and I had to build up to that. I mean, I had to build up the confidence to that, but that I pretty much knew that. Now, do you, do you think those were the two movies that specifically pushed you towards this? Or was there just, was there another one too? You know, honestly, buddy, there's so many. Yeah. There's so, I, I go through, I go through cycles of watching different, I get a, so, I don't know, I have an obsessive personality. I don't know if you can tell, but I, but I, I go through periods where I go, I want to watch all of the great films from the nineties. Or I go, I want to watch everything Michael Mann did. Or I want to watch everything that was, you know, all of the classics, you know, I want to see Elian Kazan's, you know, uh, growth as a filmmaker um, or whoever. And 
So I guess I guess if I had to look, you know, like I am always interested in epic stories. Um, I love nuanced dramas and independence, but there's some epic stories that I, I mean, I, and this is what I miss a lot in movies. I think we see a little less of them now, but like the film Heat. Michael oh Mann. Oh my God. 1994. Like, what a great film. Not a lot of people like it. That's like one of my favorites. What a great film. It's yep. a great movie, man. And, yeah. it, and it, it's great because the stakes are so high, but so is the emotional catharsis of that film and the characters. It's, it's a really complete epic, you know, um, with a lot of nuance to it. And I really appreciate that. I love, um, God, what else do I love? I love, um, like I said, so many. I mean, American Beauty. I think Gladiator. Who could not love Gladiator? <laughs> you know, um, um, you know. There was a movie I watched uh, that I, I probably watched it seven times. Uh, Prisoners. You know, I really love Denis Villeneuve. This this director. Um, I think everything he touches is is pretty much gold. Um, I love. Uh, oh, you know what I'm really into right now? Road to Perdition. Okay. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that movie. I love that time period. I've written a script that's sort of reflective of that time period and some of those same themes. So I'm watching, um, I'm watching that and I'm watching a couple other things to kind of, you know, inspire me. Um, yeah. So, so when you moved out to LA, what was the, what was the first gig that you landed? I was in a band, dude. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got, I was, I got recruited. So get this. So I got, I'm in San Francisco and I'm studying at the American Conservatory Theater, right? And I'm going into every audition I could possibly get into in San Fran. And even in LA, I drove down to LA a couple times for a little thing. Um, and I had a, there was a, there was some, I, I don't remember submitting for it, but I must have submitted for this thing. And it was a, it was a band that somebody was putting together, a boy band, no less. Right. And they called me up and they said, Hey, you know, you've got the right look. Can you sing? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm a singer. And, uh, they called me in the auditions and I did it. And it was super awkward for me. Cause that's not something I'd ever really done before. I just like to sing. I don't know anything about dancing. I don't know anything about, you know, I didn't grow up on boy band music. Like I have no interest in that genre whatsoever, but I wanted to work and I was a starving kid. So um, I went through a round of auditions and then I got a call and they said, listen, we want you to come out to LA and start recording. And um, I was 20 years old. Um, all my stuff was with my mom in Minnesota. I didn't have a car. So I said, okay, um, I'll see you in a week. <laughs> I, I packed up my stuff. I flew back to Minnesota. I drove my car you know, 20 years old across the country, ended up in LA. I did not know a thing about LA, uh, except that we were recording on a studio on Lancashire. And as, as I happened to be coming down, I guess it was the one-on-one, I'm not sure anymore. Um, I, I crossed Lancashire Boulevard. I said, Lancashire, so that's where I'm supposed to be. So I got off, I went deep into NoHo and I slept outside of a boot shop that night wow. um, in my car. And um, I did that for about a week as I started up with the band. And that uh, ended pretty quickly. I think I did it for about four months, five months. And I was like, this, is, this isn't my thing. And it was a distraction, I think, from my, my real goal, which is 
I was here to be an actor. But uh, but that's what got me to LA. Wow. Starting in a band. Wow. Yeah. And now uh, you for four years you were on Nickelodeon for Big Time Rush. How was that? That was great, man. That was a real treat. Uh, and a treat that almost didn't happen. Um, I had gone to auditions for Nickelodeon in the past and I always felt like I was so insecure about it. I thought these kids were, I thought these kids looked a lot younger than me. You know, when I would be in these audition rooms, I'm like, I'm not a 16 year old, you know, 135 pound kid. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to book this. Yeah. So at one point I told my agent, I said, I said, don't send me out for that stuff anymore. I don't think it's working out. And, um, they say, well, you know, never let, like, if they pull you in, you just go in and do your job and you never know what happens. I'm like, all right. So I go in for this audition and, uh, it, I had this inspiration for the character, which was to sort of mold him. You know, Jet Stetson was this douchey movie star, um, you know, archetype. And I had the idea to kind of mold him like an Errol Flynn. Yeah. Right. And I did it in the audition and they loved it. I got a, I got called back and then they called me and that a show I'd never even heard of. I had never heard of Big Time Rush. I didn't know what it was. I didn't watch Nickelodeon. Became one of the great treats of my twenties. Wow. To be able to do that show for four years and have as much fun and have that family and um, it gave me, you know, uh, seventy thousand followers on Twitter. Like it gave me it, you know, it gave me some notoriety in a way that I never expected. So I had a great experience with that show. And I miss it. And it opened the door for it. you for more projects. It did. It, it opened the door for me. And I think also, you know, more specifically, people don't look at me and go, oh, that's a funny guy. Right? They they look at me and they go, oh, that's your leading man. Or, oh, that's, that's you know, that's just, uh, that's Brad. That's your Brad character. And what Jet kind of did was it gave me an option to bring farcical comedy to almost theatrical, like a theater, like a play, yeah. to that genre and have a lot of fun. And I I often at times have said, you know, like I got the best jokes on Big Time Rush, right? Like, I'm, you know, everybody got great jokes on Big Time Rush, but Jet was such an outlet for ridiculous humor. And I got to do that. So I, I'm very grateful for that experience. Oh. And uh, really quick, tell us about the time you were on Scrubs. Like I mentioned before we went on the air that uh, that's like one of my favorite shows back in the day yeah yeah i loved it uh that was a complete i walked into the audition with a, a picture on my shirt it was a rabbit screwing a duck <laughs> no joke yeah and i walked in and I, I did the line and i gotta tell you i think it's the shirt i booked three projects with that shirt um uh, and it's for some reason it's just so jarring to people. They're like, "This guy's got to be coming with something." Ha! This guy must be on his game. So yeah, it was great. I got to I got to work with uh, Dave Franco, who is awesome. Really nice kid. Um, really nice guy. Um, I think he's older than me now. I don't remember. But he's uh, had a great time. Um, was a fun show. And, and I you know I kind of I caught the off the Zach Braff years. So yeah, um, I'm glad I got to catch it at all because I think it didn't last long after that but it was a great intro it was a great credit to come to LA and get you know yeah I think it went one or two seasons after Zach Braff that's, yeah yeah that's what I would think too I don't, I don't think it lasted long after it was like the college years yeah you know after yeah. that or something yeah 
So now you got a movie coming out, Into the Ashes, that hits theaters on July 19th. How did you get involved in that film? So I, the writer uh, and director is a good friend of mine. And we were actually writing our other uh, project that I'm developing separately with him. Uh, We were working on that. And he sent me, he told me he had this film and it had a little trouble getting it off the ground. And, um, um, you know, because movies are hard to make. And uh, he said, but I love the script and so on and so forth. So I said, well, send me the script. I've read a lot of his stuff, but I hadn't read that. So he sends me the movie and I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was like No Country for Old Men or, you know, Blue Ruin. It was just like this great American rural drama and thriller with, with, great characters and really awesome characters. So I told him after I read Charlie, I, I called him. I'm like, listen, man, I'm like, I, I got to play Charlie. I got to play Charlie. I'll put myself on tape. I'll hop, skip and jump. I'll do whatever. Let's figure out how to, how to get this going. And, um, you know, he's a homie, man. He really, he watched out for me and through the casting process. And, um, and it was great. Yeah. It was really good. Now, like without spoiling it, I can tell the listeners what the movie's about. Yeah, sure. So, um, it, it takes it. Okay. So Luke Grimes plays, you know, a guy, uh, it's like Nick, um, in a town, small town, married to the sheriff's, uh, daughter. And he's got a path. We don't quite know what it is. And while he's living his normal life, quote unquote, uh, Nick, uh, sorry, uh, Sloan and Charlie or Frank Grillo and myself get out of prison. And we start heading south and um, we violate Nick's life. We do something really awful to his loved one. And that sets loose a chain of events um, that, uh, that leads to him getting his revenge. I think it's a good way to sort of summarize that. So where was the film? uh, Where was it? uh, Where was it filmed? Was it filmed in Alabama too? Alabama. Yeah, uh-huh. we were in Alabama. Uh-huh. Six you, weeks. Yeah. And you said you played Charlie. How would you describe Charlie? Charlie is a... Um, he's, he's the utter sociopath of the bunch. He's um, childlike and murderous. Wow. Is sort of how I would describe him. Um, yeah, he fits a unique... You know, the paradigm of Nick, Sloan, and Charlie, you know, they were a family. And um, each of them has their respective position. And when I look at it, it's like, you know, Frank Grillo was the mentor, the father figure, the, the, the lead male. And then Luke was the big brother who wanted to be like Sloan. And Charlie strikes me as the infant, but somehow the most, ugly and twisted of them all wow you know yeah that's all I. that's how i perceive it how did so how did you prepare for that role after you read the script and you said you wanted to play charlie like did you watch certain movies just to get it up like an idea how you wanted to play him yeah so i did i did a little bit of that i also i think there's a lot of archetypes that charlie serves you know in cinema i think there's a lot of characters that people could relate to with charlie but for me, too, it was also about, like, finding secrets 
about that character um, that I could really cling on to throughout the filming. You know, like what makes somebody, you know, what, what had I experienced with Nick? What had I experienced as a part of this group? What was the last time, you know, we talk a lot in this film about we were a family and Nick tried to kill us. We talk a lot about that. And I, I really tried to think about what was the last night that I spent with Nick before all of this bad stuff went down and now we find ourselves in this situation. What did that look like? Yeah. And, you know, was it something that I I had done and, you know, Nick, I have this whole backstory to it, but I think it was really important to, to really nail the life we lived before that brought us to this situation. And that sort of justifies all of the hostility and the murderous attitudes and um, the violence that comes from that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, so far, you know, you've worked really hard to get to this point. What past project do you think has been the biggest impact on you? Define impact. What do you mean? Uh, like what, out of all the projects you've done, what do you think is the one that just pushed you to the, to the point where you're like, like you're excited about your career? Oh man. Well, I, I, I would say, I would say ashes is a big step up because it puts me in, where I see myself for the next 10 years, okay. right? Um, I think that I think that Big Time Rush was a great opening and a great way to get some awareness and open up some opportunities and to teach me a lot, right? Like yeah. it, was, it, was, it was great. And then as I've been, you know, transitioning in the last few years, it's like, you know, there's a couple things happening all at once. It's like boy to man, and it's also about choosing which projects you want to be a part of, and what you know, what kind of career do you want to have, not just what will the industry give you, right? And insofar as I look at it that way, I think Ashes is is a huge pivot point for me because it it's artistically a film I'm very proud of. You know, um, it, um, it's a character that I'm proud of. I think it's going to show me in a different light. And um, I think if you can be Jeff Stetson on Big Time Rush for four years, and then you can be Charlie, you know, in Into the Ashes, I think it speaks a lot to the diversity. And I love that. That's one thing that I really love about my career. It's been very diverse. I've done sitcoms. I've done leads in action films. I've played, you know, lifetime psychopaths. Uh, now I'm sort of coming into a really interesting genre indie. And I think it's great. I'm really happy about it. So do you have like a, you said, you'd, you know, it's going to open your career for the next 10 years. Do you have like a dream role that you hope you could play someday? Uh, yeah, I've got a few. I actually have one right now that I've written um, that I'm developing and want to get off the ground. Um, but uh, yeah, look, there, absolutely. Although I'll tell you, my experience tells me you don't always know what it is. So, I could project that to you, but you know, it's like with big time rush. I never saw that coming. Yeah. I never saw that coming. Um, I would love to have, you know, that Brian Cranston moment where you do a mini series and it turns out to be one of the greatest TV epics of all time, you know, like breaking bad. Yeah. I'd love to have that moment. Um, I'm really interested in, you know, watching characters get twisted over time and watching how they do that. So I'm sure there is. I also want to do, action stuff 
I think because of my physical background, um, I'd love to do some of the work that Tom Hardy does. I, I really look at um, um, Joel Egerton. I respect a lot. Um, you know, he's a writer, director, and actor. And like, that's, that's to me the package. John Krasinski, what John Krasinski's doing, what he did with The Quiet Place, I really appreciate. Jordan Peele. Yeah. Those are all the guys that I'm looking at and going, okay, that's, I want a version of that in my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, like, on your downtime, you're not working. What do you enjoy doing? Podcast. <laughs> there you go. Podcast, baby. Uh, I love podcasts. Uh, I love training. I love reading. I love reading. I read a lot of. I read, I read a lot of different things. Yeah. Do you? Uh, um, is there like a certain goal that you want to do? Uh, hit for 2019? Something that you've written down? You're like, this is something I want to accomplish. Hmm. You know, I got to tell you, every day I've got things that I'm working on. Um, you know, what I really want right now is I have a film that I'm producing um, that's in development, and we really want to get off the ground before uh, December this year. If not December, then early January. Yeah. Um, we're restricted by the weather. It, it has to be shot in the wintertime. Okay. So uh, we're leaning all the way into it, though. We're trying to get everything that we can to get it off the ground. And so, yeah, if I have a goal, it's to get that off the ground. Awesome. Um, uh, and get that shot. Cause that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, any other upcoming projects that you could tell us about? I have a, a film I'm going to be doing, I think in October, um, in Puerto Rico. Um, it's a gangster movie and, um, I don't know how much I'm really allowed to say about it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a classic gangster tale. Um, and uh, and I'll be playing in it, and I'm very excited to be able to talk more about it. Wow! Yeah, we'll definitely have you come yeah. back on. Uh, yeah. What? Uh, how? Lastly, how can the listeners find you on social media? They can find me on Cade Brigade, C A D E B R I G A D E, um, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. All right, Dave. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners before we end this? Not at all. Thanks for listening, and it was awesome being on the show with you. All right, thank you for coming on. 